Ed, that was good. Oh, now, now the real question is, should we just leave it at there and then move on? <laughs> yeah, make it a two-parter. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I was sitting there this morning and I was thinking, like, oh, I'll like, introduce Ed. And I thought, you know, that's the perfect way to do it is just, you know, the uh, continue the feud. But... Dude, so I'm getting a lot of feedback that they want another feud. And I'm like, well, we've both been busy and Hatch is off being smart and stuff. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I keep getting, I keep getting the messages to bring back the feud too, and so anyway. And it's so funny that happens just like so organically. Like it, neither of us talked to each other, and then it, we just started making reels, throwing them at each other. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's one of the funnest things about the the internet. You know, is is not necessarily the fact that, like, I've never met you in person, right? And so, so you get the, you, you develop these friendships online that that have no. I don't want to say basis in reality, but really, you know, like they have no basis in reality. So there is no reason as to why we should be friends or, or feuding enemies or either way, but you just kind of fall into those natural roles either way. Right. Right. Well, there's like a compartmentalization that happens there too. Right. So like, I know Instagram hatch and then like, I don't know, like dad hatch, you know, like, so I think that leads to it also. That's true. Yeah. You do kind of end up playing a certain role when you're in on online. Like, I think, I think you follow my other account, don't you? Or no? The chiropractor one or? Uh, I guess I have three accounts. I kind of ignore the chiropractic one because it doesn't bring me any joy. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, no, so, so I, I have this one and then I have a hatch makes account and that's the one I kind of share with my wife. Okay. And, and then I have yeah, my, my office account. that's just kind of mostly dead. But my my office or my my hatch makes account that that one we it's more of the the homestead stuff that my wife and I do you know like the cooking and and gardening and all that type of stuff. But right. The, so, the, yeah, I, I do tend to fall into a different role in that particular social media feed. But yeah, so I went through a month or two ago and like unfollowed like I don't know like a thousand accounts. So if you want to text me that one or I have me that one, I'll, I'll refollow it. If I unfollowed it. That's all right. If you don't love me, Ed, you don't have to. It was just, the feed was getting so boring. Like it was the same stuff all in, over and over. So then, you know, it was uh time to cut the, cut the fat. So no, I'm adding people back. I'm like, Oh yeah, sorry. I unfollowed you, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, what am I sitting at? I'm, I'm sitting at like 650 or something. And then yeah, every once in a while I'll go through and unfollow people just to. Yeah. I'm down to 292. I think I got down to 250, and then I added some back. 664, that's where I'm at right now. Ooh, you don't want two more. You need, like, either one more or three more, right? Oh, are you, you one of those people who's who's paranoid about odd numbers and stuff, or what? Well, no, I'm not paranoid, but just in case, you know. I'll be 667, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not paranoia. It's just plain common sense. Yeah, it's just insurance, you know. Yeah. I don't believe in God, but I go to church just in case. <laughs> right yeah so the, the whole church discussion <laughs> anyway so yeah it's fun it's funny how you do end up developing kind of a community around what you're doing online you know it, it's but i don't know how old you are i don't think you're younger than me right you're in you're what in your uh, 30s 37 oh, okay so you're not that much younger than me then <laughs> right. i thought you were, i thought you were like early 30s but yes that's right yeah, that's that's why I tend to shave fairly often is because my beard's all white. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. I, if you dig back, like, to the first Instagram post, like, years ago, 
you'll see me without a, a beard. And my, my girlfriend now is like, you, you can't go back. Like, she's like, I'm leaving if you shave off your beard. So I'm like, oh, I guess that solves that. <laughs> my, my my wife's kind of the opposite that way, actually. she's I mean, she's not going to leave me if I leave my beard on, but but she uh, she definitely doesn't like it. Okay. But then I, I mine's like 90% white. And so I, you know, makes me feel old and decrepit. So I shave it off. Anyway, what I was going to say is, is like, you develop this community around yourself because you have the uh, similar interests and similar, you know, habits. And it's funny how, how you, even every, the online people all end up being the same age, even though I didn't really directly correlate that to anything, right? Like I just kind of assume, assume certain things, but then as I'm talking to all the different people, I realize it's like, yeah, we're, we're all the same age around here, you know, within a, a year or two or three. And... Right. I, I guess it makes sense, right? Because, like, you know, you just think of the normal lifespan and, like, you know, hey, you're a teenager, you're going to college or whatever, and you're all busy, and then, you you know, you're getting a job or kind of establishing yourself. You no, know, a lot of us have a little bit of spare time and at least a little bit of disposable income that we can buy tools and stuff with. And it's just kind of all, you know, you're you're working in, like, a silo and got blinders on, but everybody else is too, you know, around you. And That's true. You look up and you're like, oh, that's, you know, woodworking actually is kind of cool there, blacksmith there, or whatever it is, you know. It is kind of cool for us middle-aged men. Right. And, and and women, I have to say that there are, actually my analytics are funny that way, speaking of that, of like the, the podcast listeners, according to according to the internet analytics, are like 50% female, which is very strange to me that there's that many who are interested in listening. But thank you, everybody, for listening anyway. Yeah, oh, that's that's cool. Then um, yeah, I'm I'm getting super super cognizant of that type of stuff now, like being aware of those sorts of things, just because my my master's is just absolutely hammering on that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like it's always it's always talking about you know proper gender pronouns and not being discriminatory with any of your speech, and and now now I find myself I know that I'm not being rude to anybody or trying not to be rude to anybody, but then my master's is telling me that I am being a horrible person by uh, you know right not being a hundred percent kind or, you know, cognizant of all that stuff. Anyway. Yeah. Side note. Yeah. That's probably a whole other topic, right? <laughs> that's a um, whole other rant we could go down. Yeah. We won't. Yeah. Well, like, I, I don't know. So uh, you have anything? Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying, um, you know, I was get I'm getting more involved with the, uh, with the Cub Scouts. They've been taking leader training and all kinds of things. And, and a big thing with them too is uh diversity and inclusion training. And that's not necessarily like us trying to be more politically correct or whatever. A, a big theme there is that um, the leadership of the units should probably look like the members of the unit, right? So now we have girls and females and, and all kinds of races and everybody's a different color and we all, all eat different things. And, and um, you know, just for, for 100 years, it's been old white men, right, going out in the woods. So, so now it's... Uh, it, it kind of makes sense. It's just some, sometimes those things you have to physically, like vocally say and vocal and physically work towards, you know? So, but it, it's not necessarily along the pronoun game. I know academia is sometimes more cutting edge on that stuff, right? Yeah. More, more bleeding edge than cutting edge. <laughs> right. yeah. they, they cut a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I was listening to, um, oh shoot. What's his name? There's a, he's a, New Zealand actor, director, guy. It's always in the comedies. Uh, Gervais or? No, he's English. Oh. Uh, to, to, oh, shoot. I can see the guy's name. Taki something. 
Did you watch Free Guy? No. No. I can tell you. Yeah. I bet you if I Google New Zealand actor director guy, it'll bring him up. Oh, Takai what what a Titi? Yeah. Oh, Tika. Right, man, I'm I'm butchering this. Yeah, that's him. Okay. Yeah, I told you. I googled New Zealand actor director guy, and he's the first person there. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> so, speaking of uh, stereotyping and uh, you know judging people by their ethnicity. Anyway, right. he, um, I was listening to an interview with him not too long ago, and it was interesting. He was talking about how he's frustrated with with the the whole inclusivity and everything in in Hollywood currently because it doesn't make any sense. Right. Like you have you have the new Little Mermaid. And, uh, you know, all of the sisters are different races and, and all of these things. And it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense that way. And so what, what he, what he's, his thing was, is like, I'd rather inclusivity just being accepting of the fact that I'm a New Zealand Maori director telling a New Zealand Maori story with New Zealand Maori actors. Right. Rather than have, you know, have the, the Pocahontas story with a white actress and, a black actress and an Asian actress and, you know, like the whole sense that way. All right. So here's, this is going to sound horrible. I have this concept of positive racism. <laughs> I wish I could see your face. Um, I'm grinning because I think I probably know what it is. Okay. So it's, it's more about like celebrating where people come from and like what makes them them. Right. Like, and think about food. Like, have you ever had tacos al pastor? Like, holy crap. Right. It's a, yeah. It's a, like a Middle Eastern Syrian kind of dish where they put lamb on a rotisserie and they brought it to Mexico. <laughs> they put pineapples on top and then they put it in tortillas. Like it's a fusion dish and it's amazing. So like me as a middle-aged white man who loves al pastor tacos, that's like a, 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 a fusion of three other cultures. Like why can't the world be like that? Right? Like, I mean, Italian food's awesome. Like Greek food's aw like, and everybody likes to eat. Right. So like start yeah. there, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I actually, uh, I, I'll often describe myself as an equal opportunity racist. <laughs> yeah, I hate everybody, right? <laughs> so. No, no, I, 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 I don't dislike you based on race, creed, or color. I only dislike you based on your actions and your attitude towards other people. Right, and like I don't know, like if you could actually, so like you know, there's the politics sort of things, and like you know, whoever's in charge today telling you what you should do. But if you actually talk to people. Most people are like, whatever, leave me alone. You know, like, just let me do my thing. Like, vast majority of people are, are like that, in my opinion, you know? Oh, 100%. And that's, I mean, I think that's why people across diverse borders, as much as you and I are the same, you know, middle-aged white guy type of situation, our, our life experience is probably completely different. Like, I, oh, I, yeah. grew up, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, northern Canada, you know, like, at one point in my life, my driveway was six miles long, and it took me an hour and a half to get to school. Right. Jeez. Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty certain that you probably didn't experience that, right? No, I live one mile from the school, and a bus picked me up. Yeah. So. 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 Like, our our life experiences are completely different. But yeah, we end up having the same kind of attitudes of I just want to do my thing. I want to be left alone. You know, I don't right. hate anybody implicitly. I, the only people I dislike are the people who are jerks. Right. I, I don't I don't know how well I mean I heard things about your Canadian government but uh you know American governments and and, and shambles and more and more people I talk to are like I I don't like any of them they're all old rich people that have no connection to what we do every day right oh it's the same here uh on our trip actually this summer we we 
spent some time with a family from Germany. They were touring across Canada and, and, uh, the husband, he, he was, what was he, what do you say he was? He's like 16, 17 years old when the Berlin wall came down. Right. Right. And, uh, and so he remembers growing up in communist Russia or Soviet union. And then the rest of his life has been in the free West. Right. And, uh, so we were talking about, got into politics and that type of stuff. And, and I came away from it thinking to myself, it's, it's the same everywhere, whether it's, whether it's communist Russia or, or democratic East, West Germany or the United States or Canada, it's, it's all, it's all corrupt politicians and, and, uh, basically everybody else is going along for the ride and just wants to do their thing. Right. Oh, it's, it's, it's almost like, uh. I, don't, I used to be more involved when I was younger and like bumper stickers and this and that and the other thing. And then after a while you realize like none of it really matters too much, right? Like unless you want to be like an AOC or, or an Obama or something, but like even that's like a little bit, you got to have that certain thing that's wrong in your brain to want to do that, you know? Like, and then, so it's like, it comes down to almost like, Hey, let's just make the best of this. Like, this is probably the best we, we have. And don't get me wrong. Like I love America, like everything that I have, you know, grateful for family and, health and all this other stuff i'm not trying to be cynical but at the same time it's like i'm only going to be here for another how how many decades like probably start making the best of it you know yeah yeah going through the middle-aged life crisis of holy crap i'm halfway through my life and i haven't done anything <laughs> right so if you talk to my girlfriend that means i need to get that el camino sooner than later right <laughs> you you're really aiming for the bottom of the pile if that's your goal and yeah but so like i want like an 80s like El Camino that's mechanically good, but body works is garbage, right? So then you could just spray paint it black and just drive around like a douchebag, right? Like that's that's my goal there. <laughs> you know, so, so some people have the dream of, you know, like I want to own a Ferrari. I want to own an Aston Martin. Here you are. I want to own a piece of garbage and be a douchebag. Yeah. I mean, not like douchebag, douchebag, but like, you know, you get some Flowmasters or something and like blast down the highway. To, like, you know, <laughs> that kind of douchebag. <laughs> like, Fair it's enough. A, it's a, it's a 80s car that's half pickup truck, right? Like, that's pretty cool to like a seven-year-old boy, right? So in my brain, I'm still seven, you know? Yeah. Fair, fair enough. That's <laughs> that's secretly why I want, the, I want an 83 um, GMC Sierra 250. Is because that was the cool truck when I was a kid. Oh, you got like a lift kit and the running boards on and stuff, like uh, diamond plate. No, no running boards. Just okay. just like a two or three inch lift on it is all. Nothing, okay. nothing ridiculous. Right. But yeah, that's that's funny. You know, it, it, it's I actually had a had a conversation with somebody just just yesterday about why why do all these theories focus on or why is it why is it always trauma from a childhood, right? Like, why is that causing the problem? Can't, can't your current attitudes mess you up for your current? And, and absolutely you can get messed up by current actions and current, current events, but it's funny how much of our experience as a child, uh, creates our, our reality of today. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I don't, do you listen to Dave Bowers, uh, making problems to solve? Yeah. So he's doing a pretty good job with like the origin stories and then like, the more and more you listen, you're like, oh, that sounds like the other guy. Well, that sounds like me. So, like, I don't know if he's ever done this, but he could probably, he's got enough episodes now where he could probably put his guests in, like, buckets, right? Like, hey, my, I grew up on a farm, and if we didn't make it or fix it, we didn't have it. Or my dad was a handyman, I just had tools around. And then there's, like, the 
that oh i saw something cool on youtube during covid now i'm like i quit my job and i make art or like so there there's like i don't know how many but a handful of like origin stories in this maker community and it seems like people are more and more um fitting in those buckets right so like i, I kind of fall in the like my dad always fixed everything and there was always tools around you know yeah <laughs> i i i kind of fit into the into that and they grew up on the farm right like my dad was a but that, I, I think that's kind of farm mentality though right it is is you have to do it yourself and you, you learn how to do it all yourself and then and then that trauma carries through into your adult adulthood and you think that oh i need to do this myself and so right. you end up collecting a shop full of thousands of dollars worth of tools to change light bulbs and and fix two dollar problems well yeah and it's like uh well what if i need this or like that just in case like and then i think jimmy duresta said it um he was like yeah i'm just the old guy on your block with a garage full of shit that you don't need but when you need it he has it <laughs> you <know>? yeah um <laughs> yeah i mean yep. like i rem- i could literally count on my hands the number of times my dad hired somebody to do something it was like the roof like these giant trees that if he cut them down they'd hit the neighbor's house uh one time we got the HVAC replaced, but it was a, a firefighter at work who did it and we helped him. So it's like, it, there was literally under 10 times that we hired like contractors to do things. And like my, my girlfriend grew up much differently than me and, and she's a, a real estate lawyer, you know? So it, it's like, you know, the, uh, the outlet in the, in the sunroom was hanging out the wall. She's like, oh, I guess we call, got to call an electrician. I'm like, what? Like, don't insult me. You know, <laughs> like, like, uh, so it's like different, different origin stories, you know? Yeah, I often I often use the story or or the experience in my life that I w- without a word of a lie I didn't know that you could buy frozen vegetables until okay. I was thirteen years old. Okay. Yeah, it's it's just like I I grew up assuming that everybody had a an acre and a half garden and you know raised their own meat and like grocery stores you went to grocery stores to buy things that you couldn't make yourself and. Uh, yeah. Right. So, so it was, and then when I, when I moved out from home and suddenly had to buy food, like, holy crap, how do people, like, how do people eat steaks? This is insane. Right. There you're butchering a cow before you're going out back. Yeah. So, what yeah, I, posted I, was, that, uh, I posted that meme about that tomato growing that offended you a couple months ago. It was, it's like, Hey, I, I spent a hundred dollars on supplies and I, I spent, uh, you know, hundreds of hours nurturing these little plants. And now I have a tomato. Great. I saved a dollar. And then, and then, you DM me and you're like, actually, here's my numbers and I have a ton of tomato sauce and it's eight hundred dollar and like, dude, it was a joke, you know? Yeah, no, I I I knew I knew that you were just being sarcastic on that one, but but that, that's that's actually I don't know that's that's my other soapbox that I get on every once in a while is is food security, right? Because because tomatoes are a great example. There's not very many people who don't like tomatoes, and and there's and there's very few things that taste as good as a garden fresh tomato. Right. At least in my opinion. But, you know, if everybody grew a tomato, that's that's millions and millions and millions of dollars out of the economy. So everybody has a vested interest in making sure that everybody doesn't grow tomatoes. Yeah. Anyway, go down that whole soapbox. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. really, I just respond to your stuff because you offend me in general. Yeah. Right. That's right. Awesome. Well, I mean, that's our, our, our relationship we've cultured here, right? It's true. That's the shtick. Yeah. No. Well, well, you're known as the guy who uh, just has a constant face of disappointment. Like you don't get happy or mad. It's just it's just level-headed, right? Level-headed hatch. <laughs> oh, is that what people call me behind my back? I've never 
Nobody's uh, ever said that to me. I've been in a conversation when uh, we were talking about like what kind of crazy meme I can make, and they're like, I don't know, you just have a, a stern face of disappointment. <laughs> that's that's what when I was a kid, the uh, you know you know that song. I was like, it's like the turn your frown upside down and smile your frown away. Have you ever heard that song? I think so. It's like a cheesy kid song. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people would sing that to me all the time and it used to irritate the heck out of me. Because okay. they, they, they'd be like, oh, you know, oh, you know, it's it takes more muscles to be ha- sad than it does happy. Or, and it, it just always bugged me because it's like, I'm not happy. I'm not sad. I'm, <laughs> this is how I look. <laughs> this, just, this is just my... This is just my face. Right. I, I guess I have that uh, that resting biatch face or whatever, right? I don't know, though, but you're like Alberta farmer guys, so it kind of fits, you know? You're not like Kate Gosling or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll smile more then. Just to... well, I've always well, thought, you know, like the whole, it takes more muscles to frown than to smile. It's just, it takes no muscles at all to just let your face relax. And it happens to that my relaxed face just looks grumpy, I suppose. Yeah, kind of. But now, if you do smile more, you have to like make it like strained and like make it look like you're making an effort, you know. <laughs> Is that where really we help? I'm so it. <laughs> right. Look at, look at that natural smile. There's tears coming out of his eyes. <laughs> it hurts so much. <laughs> so yeah, um, but like your 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 content, I guess because we interacted so much. Like I'll see your stories, but then like your reels are like a couple days delayed. And I'm like, oh, what's he doing now? Like, it's it's weird. So I don't know if Instagram's playing with with that or or they're confused too because you have all these friends in New Jersey, right? No joke on that one, actually, because like I'll I'll get ads from from stuff in New Jersey and New York more often than I get ads from stuff in Alberta. Well, is there anything in Alberta? Yeah, there's cows. Okay. There's. <laughs> so I mean, there's not much tourists going on up there, right? Well, hey, we we have uh, what was it eleven? I think we have 11 UNESCO World Heritage Sites in Alberta. Oh, okay. Yeah, we have uh, some of the most spectacular mountain scenery in, in North America. We have uh, the world's, I think it's the world's, it used to be the world's largest national park. And we have the Royal Tyrell Dinosaur Museum. Oh, that's, that's pretty the, interesting. Yeah. And then we have lots of bald, flat prairie. And then lots of tree-covered prairie up in the north. Yeah, it's a very exciting province. You should come visit sometime. Right. I'm sure it's beautiful, but kind of boring though, right? Well, it depends on what you want to do. If you if you want to go to restaurants and, you know, the nightlife isn't really... Right. Uh, if, you, if you live in Calgary, then you're probably okay because Calgary, it sounds funny, but Calgary is the big city and it's, a, it's like 1.1 million people. So you probably have more than that within like a, what, 15 mile radius of you. Oh yeah, probably. I mean, towns here are 100k, like just small towns, you know. My to, to put that into perspective, Lethbridge is the closest city to me, and it's it's 20 minutes away, and it's 114,000. My my town, we're out of water this morning. The entire town is shut off from one water main break. I think there's there's like 400 houses in town. Okay. Yeah, different different experience. Right. Anyway. So you're working on anything that I can make fun of and uh, feud with you about in the near future? Um, let's see. So I moved into the new shop uh, in the spring a couple months ago, and um, it's still a work in progress. But I went from a one-car garage to two and a half, so it's a pretty big upgrade. Um, 
Uh, recently, I've been doing more laser stuff. I got the uh, the 20 watt head for my laser, so I've just been kind of seeing what's going on with that. And uh, I was making fun of Keith Drennan with the, the woodblock printing. So that's the, the newest thing I've been obsessed with. Um, so I, I, I keep saying, hey, man, I'm making art. You know, because like, um, and so like my my art education is uh, what I had to learn for to teach the Cub Scouts art. So it's like uh, Kandinsky, <laughs> Kandinsky thought that he could um, uh, hear colors, you know, um, like that. But if if you yeah. go to the the basic of like, hey, art is intended to invoke an emotion. Well, then hell yeah, I'm making art, right? Because I'm making people mad on Instagram, right? <laughs> um, yep. But uh, yeah, no. So and um. I guess that's like the ADD brain too. It's like, oh, it's cool. And then like something else is cooler than. So I, I saw that for the first time in person at Mayor Camp two years ago with Dave Bauer. And he had little rubber blocks and um, like these little gouges. And you just make a design, stick it in his press. And you're 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 making like an up to, upside down stamp basically, right? And then yeah. when you look into it, you're like, oh yeah, Woodblocks has been around for like thousands of years. Like ancient Chinese did it. And now we think we're cool because like you know we're we're in a garage making stamps you know um yeah but uh yeah. i was like well I, i'm not like great with like making art so i'm like well i got this laser now so let's see what that can do and then now um i kind of and like that's so, well i'm not and i keep referencing other podcasts here but i'm sure you heard the working hands uh skill versus knowledge thing right so yeah. um but to get my laser to to do what I want it to do, it takes a hell of a lot of knowledge. You know, if, if you're if you're going by uh, Keith's Keith's uh, definition there, but uh, yeah, I mean it's kind of cool to blend this thing that I can buy for five hundred dollars and is. I mean, even a decade ago, nobody would think that this laser would be in my garage, right? Um, and then you combine that with something that's thousands of years old. So maybe that's more on the, the artsy fartsy kind of side of things, um, but maybe just being in this community has kind of opened that line of thinking like, Oh, maybe it is okay to like mess up and make something that's not perfect. You know? Yeah, for sure. That's that, that blending of two, two ends of the spectrum is, is an interesting thing about current makers, you know, like, like myself, I have, I have a CNC and I have a laser and then on my wall, I have hand planes and I have, you know, I, I just made some, some hangers for these, these old crosscut saws. Right, you know, it's like you have the the two ends of the spectrum, and and it is crazy that you're right. Ten years ago, the the stuff that's in our shops now is like, holy crap, that's almost science fiction level of like three D printers and lasers, and it's crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I mean, like even an Ender three now, which is like old technology. Like, why would you even buy that? Is still like if my dad came back from the grave, be like, holy shit, like like make gun parts now, you know, like like uh um. I don't know. And maybe it's like that, that whole thing of, uh, the curiosity and like, Hey, like I'll give it a shot. I got nothing to lose. Like, um, and, and like, I'm, I'm a hobbyist, right? Like I have those illusions of grandeur of actually selling things that I make, but you know, let's see if that ever happens, but I, I can come down here and just mess with stuff and, and just gain knowledge for my own benefit. Right. For, for 200 bucks, I can be making little plastic toys. It's like, uh, I don't, it, and the technology just keeps getting better and better, you know? Yeah, it does. And, and I think to, to kind of agree with Keith to some extent though, too, is the technology is getting better. And so to some extent, the skill is decreasing because if you can, if you can take something out of the box, plug it in and, and push print and it'll produce the thing, you know, did that take any skill? Did it even take knowledge aside from 
the basic competency of being able to plug something in without electrocuting yourself, right? Yeah, so I think I agree more with Tony on that where, where he said it's a chicken or egg thing, right? So, like, yeah, if you want to print benchies that are on the card all day, and I mean, that's great, but what what does what does that get you, right? Where even just, like, you know, downloading an STL and manipulating it and figuring out, like, oh, I actually need Cura. Like, like that took me forever to figure. Like, I had to watch YouTube videos and stuff, you know? So, and, and let's go back to key and let's let's tear Mr. Blackthorn apart because he's not here to defend himself, right? That's always fun. <laughs> Like, let's say I worked in a... Much like, better to stab people in the back than it is to let them defend themselves, for sure. Right. So he was saying, like, a table saw, you need skill to run, right? But what if I needed, a, hypothetically, needed a whole bunch of blocks that are six inches wide, and I set the fence to six inches wide, and I teach you use the push blocks so that you don't, you know, cut your fingers off, and then you make 100 blocks that are six inches wide. Like, did that take skill or did that take knowledge, right? So I think you need both. And the, and the argument is kind of theoretical because like if the goal is to make something you need both right yeah that's true and then i think it i think that's that's where the difference is to let's start another can of worms i guess that's where the difference is between art and production too right right as you get art for, for me art is more the generation of the idea than it is the process it's, itself because it, because I, I don't think anybody out there would deny that michelangelo was a great artist right right but michelangelo had a team of craftsmen that that did a lot of the work you know so he right. didn't he didn't do every aspect of everything that is a michelangelo does that make sense yeah so he, he's more the the idea guy and put it on paper and then they they bring it up and, and make it life you know so yeah. they're the they're the 3d printers of <laughs> of that time right yeah and, and and the same can be said of of like ai stuff now right like, like ai isn't out there just producing wow look at this original art that this ai made all by itself i mean maybe it is and maybe we're all you know stuck in the matrix already but but you, you know what i mean there, there has to be there has to be some creative input prior to prior to the idea coming out as right art. well i think isn't the argument that ai is stealing current artists work and then you know rebranding it as original like that's one of the big arguments against AI art. I mean, probably, but but who's the artist theft is a is a famous artist said that and they looked it up quick and see who it was. Right. Like yeah, there's not too many original ideas out there, right? So you you're influenced by things every day. Pablo Picasso is widely quoted as having said, "Good artists borrow, great artists steal." Okay. So I guess I guess by that definition, AI is great art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of great art, did you see the reel I posted when I was out in Boston? There went to went to the uh, Springfield Modern Art Museum. Um, I don't know. I think I saw you pointing at like a cabin and saying like my uncle's here or something. No, no, that that's uh, yeah, that was in Illinois, I think. Oh, my, okay. my fifth great grandfather built that house. He was a Revolutionary War vet. But no, when we were in Springfield, Massachusetts, we went to a, an art museum there, and there was this. Like literally looked like something I dug out of my scrap bin and just randomly glued together and painted yellow, okay. like without a without a word of a lie. That's exactly what it looked like. Just like my my daughter with her hot glue gun would have done the same thing, <laughs> right? And and uh, and yet this was art, and it was celebrated art because of his use of color and material. And yeah, like, what, it... what what part of this is art aside from I'm putting garbage together, right? Or 
or taping a taping a banana to a wall. How is that art? Yeah. Well, there, there was a story where uh, like a college kid left a banana in an art museum and he came back the next day and there was a glass case over it. Like someone thought they it was an exhibit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then there's like uh, like Piss Jesus and all that stuff. Like uh, I think that was big in the 90s, right? Like just this insulting thing that millions and millions of people and then they're like, oh, no, it's art. It's like, huh. I guess when you take away the rules, it's like, well, not now you're there's a deal with that consequences, right? Yeah. Well, then I guess well that's you're you're an artist. Yeah. I am by making my wood blocks with the middle fingers on them, right? <laughs> so, and I, I actually can't sell those because I just took free clip art from the internet, right? So I have to steal the idea and make my own version of the middle finger, I guess. Well, just just alter the proportions slightly, and then you're then you're yeah. good, right? Yeah. Then just, you're just Pablo Picasso, right? Right. So, uh, what's kind of this is like my ADD brain, but uh, like in, in scouts, uh, we have a. a one of the guys from the council, he goes, scouting is the only organization that actively promotes plagiarism. So as long as you're doing it to help the kids, like you could just take somebody else's stuff and, and show it to them, you know, like you, you don't really need to, to make something original because we just keep doing the same lessons over and over, you know? Yeah. 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 That's yeah. funny. We got on art cause I'm not the, the art guy, right? Like this is all these other podcasts and these people are like classically trained in art and they have this medium and that. And I'm like, Oh, I'm just dicking around in my garage, you know? Well, and that's, but that's, that's where, you know, like, do you have to be classically trained to be an artist? I would say no. Art, art right. is the, art is the idea of being an artist. It's not necessarily, it's not necessarily a specific thing because, because then, you know, if there is a specific, you have to meet these criteria, then how does, how does taping a banana to a wall constitute art? Or, or is it only art if you have a degree, in which case, you know, I, I think most artists would argue against that, except for the ones that maybe teach art at the university. Right. Or the ones that need to sell their art to, to eat, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> that whole, like, valuation of art is, like, it, it's what people's perception of it is that dictates the price, right? So yeah. that whole thing is just mind-blowing when I start looking into, like, okay, what, what's the value of art? Yeah, and well, and, and back to the back to the scrap wood project glued together nonsense. I don't know how much that piece was worth, but but what what then makes the difference between my daughter gluing her scrap wood together and painting it yellow and his? Right. Aside from aside from maybe maybe this is where we have to I have to go back on what I said prior to that. Maybe he had a degree and that's what makes it art, whereas my daughter's just a little girl playing around in the garage. Right. Yeah. Um. Oh, okay. So do you like, not force, but like actively encourage your kids to come out and make stuff with you? Or is it more of like, Hey, it's available and they, they wander in and Hey, here's some stuff to play with. Um, a little of column A, a little of column B. Okay. So my, my son, I, I kind of actively encourage him to come out more so. Mm -hmm. And, and so when there's things that need to be done, you know, I, I encourage him to come out. And, and that's going to be part of the, the homeschool curriculum this year is he needs a new bed. And so as a part of the math program and art for this year, he's going to be designing it and, and measuring it up. And then I'll have him come out here and help me with the construction and stuff. My oh, daughters, cool. they just come out because they want to come out. And I give them the hot glue gun and tell them not to burn themselves and they figure it out. Right. And, and, and it, again, going back to our earlier discussion of sexism and stuff, it has nothing to do with that. And has everything to do with just age, right? Right. Yeah. Like my 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 son's a teenager, 
my daughters are, you know, toddlers and kindergartners. Yeah. So there's a, there's just a different level of ability there. Yeah. My, my daughter's seven and, um, I built her a little pink workbench and I'm spray painting things like, you know, hammers and stuff, pink. And I kind of have a deal. Like when we go to home Depot, if she wants a new tool, like we'll buy a new tool. And so she's a new, um, like trying to get the sharpest thing she can. Uh, so, so it's that, but like, she doesn't actively come down here. Um, every once in a while, if she's like walking through, like, I'd be like, Hey, let's do this little project. Like we'll just nail together like a, um, little, little kit. And, um, those, that kind of thing. Every once in a while, we'll have like some old electronics we'll take apart, and I'm like, "Well, we can we we can't smash them, but let's take them apart and and see what er, is inside, you know." And so we get like a wiring harness, and be like, "Hey, it looks like a rainbow." So that that's where we're at now. It's just um, kind of want to encourage that more, unless I've had time, but uh, it, it's it's kind of tough with the schedule and everything, you know. Yeah, and that's I mean that's where you know like if she's seven, right now her attention span is the same as that of a you know a Nats hiccup. Right. And so, yeah, you can't expect her to come out and let's build a Bombay chest of drawers together. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you know, like, like her, her, her speed is come out and let's hammer a couple nails in and, and go off on your way. And then as she, as she develops, she'll have more or less interest. And if she has more interest, then she'll take on more complicated things. And that's, that's kind of the way I did it with my son too, is when he was, when he was little, we'd come out and he'd just kind of hammer a couple nails in and then wander off and do something else. The same thing, you know, use the hog blue guard. Right. And as he's, as he's become more adept at things, then he's, he's progressed. And like the whole blacksmithing thing, the forge and all that type of stuff that we have, that's all his, like he wanted to do that. And so he's still not at the level of going out and, and making anything of any significance, but he's still, you know, he's, he's more involved in that now because that's become his thing. Right. Oh yeah. Speaking of which, where's my knife? Oh, <laughs> they're not done yet. <laughs> okay. Um, I was gonna, yeah, because we, I was gonna go out and uh, we were gonna stop by Adam Kunrat's on the oh, way right. home and finish them out there, and then of course, um, I had my truck break down out in Massachusetts, and so that changed my travel plans and changed my uh, travel budget significantly, and uh, so then we ended up changing that, and so the the knives are still sitting sitting uh half finished that's we've only been home for a week now i think okay and uh we need to get get those finished and and uh get the raffle actually completed you mean waffle uh, yes the waffle <laughs> right links instagram don't, don't want to violate any international gaming regulations that's for sure right yeah but oh yeah adam is a great guy when i was doing my uh i don't know if you noticed in the uh that horrible YouTube video I made for the first Make What You Fear. Um, I'm up at the Blackthorn and I've never blacksmithed before. And I'm like, oh, I watch some videos. And I'm like hitting some hot metal and it's going flying. And Adam, I, I guess he was on the other side of the, the event. He's like, oh man, this guy's going to hurt somebody, you know? So he just comes over. He's like, hey, how's you doing? And I was like, hey, can I give you a couple tips? I'm like, yes, please. And like within like two minutes, I'm like, oh, wow, this is a lot better, you know? And um, so. My shoulders like, stopped hurting. Yeah. I'm like, it's not, this hot metal's not hitting me in the foot anymore. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so then, um, I guess back on our topic of community, right? So, like, he was just a cool guy headed out, like, yeah, man, help. And then, um, him and, uh, Brandon from Echo Mountain were talking, and, and I overheard him, and then they were talking about Forge and Fire. I'm like, oh, like, Forge and Fire. He's like, yeah, I won. I'm like, you won Forge and Fire, like, and you're here helping me do this stupid shitty knife? And he's like, yeah, it's cool. Like, so, like, the more and more you, you talk to people, like, 
it's just like these guys are making amazing things and they're they're willing to share it's just don't be a dick you know <laughs> yeah so yeah we were yeah he I, i'd messaged him because my son likes watching fortune fire and and so i'd messaged him and asked him when we we're out there can i stop by and because he'd, he'd he'd offered a couple times to you know talk to my son through the blacksmithing process if he needed any help making the knives and so i was like this is the perfect opportunity to stop by and and actually learn how to do it from somebody who knows what they're doing and then yeah right seven thousand dollar repair bill changed my hands <laughs> okay yeah stupid cars yeah so my my silverado is a 13 with a hundred and uh seventy five thousand miles so at this point it's basically just brakes and oil changes and wait till the wheels fall off you know yeah well mine mine just ticked over 184,000 kilometers so I have no idea 160,000 kilometers well 160,000 kilometers would be 100,000 miles okay so you're at like so, 70 so 110,000 miles is where I'm sitting at right now I think okay ish. Right. yeah well, the, we uh... put on we put on close to 15,000 miles this summer no probably more than that closer to 18,000 miles almost this summer okay shit since I've been working at home that's like seven years of miles right <laughs> yep uh, yeah, the gypsies, well, I guess you don't have those up there, but here, um, well, I guess gypsies is the wrong term, but like traveling workmen, work people, um, if you're at like the, the grocery store, they'll, they'll come up to you and be like, Hey, like I do body work at the dealership and I got my stuff in my, in my trunk. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, for a hundred bucks, I'll fix that dent for you or whatever. Right. And they're just going to pull it out and spray paint it. Like it's, it's not, it's not legit, but, uh, they stopped asking me to do that after their wheel wells started showing visible rust. I'm like, thank you. Yes. Like if I ever get a new truck, I'll just paint some rust on it. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. It's at a certain level of ugly, you know, you know, the person doesn't care about this vehicle, so they're not going to ask you anymore. Right. Like on the New Jersey merge lanes, it's like, I don't know, man, try me. Like you see all that damage back there. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the worst is like a merge is like figure out where you fit. Right. But when, and either side, if you're in the lane or you're on the ramp, the the person who does nothing and is just constant, it's the worst. Like, are, are they even conscious? You know, I don't, I don't know if you have that traffic yeah. up there, but <laughs> some places it gets annoying like that. Yeah. Right. So Keith's having an aneurysm listening to this right now. He's probably literally <laughs> yelling at somebody that's merging. So I, I used to live in Los Angeles, so I, 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 I understand traffic. Oh, well, there, you'll be doing like 80 miles an hour, and then in a second, you're doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's no joke. I got stuck in a traffic jam at 2 o'clock in the morning once. <laughs> right. So, I think that's worse than what we have here. I mean, New Jersey's usually moving. It's just everybody's an idiot, you know? Oh, what's that? You were talking about the, the Dunning-Kruger, I think? Where you the Dunning-Kruger like, effect, yeah. I'm the only one here that can drive, right? Yeah, it's a false it's a false sense of confidence in your own abilities. So you think you're smarter than you really are. Right. And that's where that's where like I think the statistic is ninety percent of drivers think that they're better than average. Some something like that. I so I think that it's just that it, at least in New Jersey, you have like dog shit people that like can't make it out of their driveway without hitting a tree, and then you have really good people. So the average is just very skewed among that range, right? <laughs> You have the you have the drive by braille and then the people who can drift. Yeah, the F one racers. Like so I'm like in the ninety percent almost F one, you know, in my in my Silverado. <laughs> and I'm pretty certain you are. Right. That's that's actually something that gro growing up on a farm, right? The first time the first time I drove a farm implement by myself, I was four years old. <laughs> okay. My, 
my my dad my dad put it into gear i mean it was low gear so it wasn't going very fast puts it into gear tells me to drive it across the field and then he jumped out of the tractor and went and got the other tractor drove okay. it across the field and then came back and jumped in to the first one that i was driving that's my my first experience driving it uh anything and, and legitimately driving not just starting it up and accidentally driving it into the ditch that <laughs> happened when i was two okay but yeah. uh, but then the first time that i drove a, a standard car like a manual transmission car by myself i would have been i was in grade two so that would be what seven yeah i would have been i would have been seven or eight somewhere in that range i don't i don't quite remember exactly when it was but that's the first time i drove a standard car by myself and i shifted it into third gear <laughs> uh and so by, by the time in, in alberta you can get your learner's license when you're 14 okay and so by the time i could get my drop by the time i got my learner's license i could already i could already maintain a controlled drift around a corner on gravel <laughs> and and so you know i'm talking to friends at school and stuff and they're they're like oh i'm gonna take driving lessons i'm gonna learn how to drive i'm like well, what are you talking about you don't know how to drive <laughs> Right. Anyway. Yeah, here it's um, almost mandatory to take driving lessons. Um, well, it, it is here now too, but uh, when because I'm so old, it wasn't when I was a kid. But oh, okay. Man, we just don't have that much gravel to crash into either. You know, like I think it gets into the oh, you're gonna hurt the neighbors kind of thing if you let four year olds drive. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> yeah, you you don't have a ten thousand acre farm that you can just cruise around on the field on when you're five years old. No, we have like five thousand square foot lots and most of it's the house you know yeah yeah anyway do you think we offended anybody on the internet today i hope so we need to get some content going here man the holidays are coming <laughs> we need to monetize this that's true we need we need to conclude with something really provocative about art oh okay yeah yeah because i'm yeah let's gotta... see we can use that we can use that as the promo clip right yeah leave me alone i'm creating art over here <laughs> <laughs> you can only create art if you have a master's degree in art. Yeah, that's good. And the student yeah. loan to go with it too. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what makes you into the starving artist is the student loans. Right. So, I don't I don't how is it in Canada with that? Cuz like here it's almost predatory lending, you know. Oh, uh, so actually just this last year, this is probably the one beneficial thing our this is going to be a I don't know, this is going to offend somebody. This is the one beneficial thing that our our current government has done is they they've eliminated interest for student loans. Okay. So that's up prior to that, prior to that, it was only, I mean, it wasn't terrible. It was only like four and a half, five percent, something like that. So it wasn't super burdensome, but yeah, our student loan here is a lot different than, than the U S that being said, we also, they're also capped. Oh, yeah, we certain, that. okay. Yeah. You, well, you're only allowed to have a certain amount of student loan, right? Um, but, I, yeah, I don't, it's been so long. I mean, I'm still paying mine off, but, and this isn't my theory, but like here you have an 18 year old kid who is 12th grade and he's never had to manage any kind of money other than like, Hey, I need to get pizza or I want this new Xbox game or, or whatever he's into. Right. So you're talking hundreds of dollars. Right. And then the, 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 the whole narrative of like, you need to go to college while it's still, it's still there. And then, you know, you walk in the, the, on the, the tour or whatever. And they're like, yeah, no problem. Like you can come here, sign here. And then they they let him spend a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, like whatever whatever he wants to do, no problem. And then there's no guarantee of gainful employment or ever repaying those things, right? So if if that kid went 
on his 18th birthday to the to the car, a Ferrari dealership and says, hey, I want to spend $125,000 on the car, they would laugh at him and physically remove him from the dealership, right? And the answer is, well, you'll never repay that and you're going to crash the car into, the, into a ditch because you can't handle that, right? But but the American government just has this this insurance policy for all these predatory lenders to go like, yeah, hey, no problem. You want to be a lawyer? $400,000. And like, even if you don't pass the class or whatever, you still owe the money. So like, yeah. it, and I'm not saying that college is bad or whatever, but it's it's collusion between the, the the educational institutions and the government and the lenders, right? Maybe there should be some kind of checks and balances, or maybe there should be some kind of, um, you know, assurance that this kid can actually repay it, or I don't know, or maybe well, the government stops backing the loans, and then the colleges will have to become competitive and change all their bullshit that you don't actually need, you know? Yeah, hundred so, percent. I, I I agree with you, and there is. You know Mike Rowe, the dirty jobs guy? Right. Yeah, he, he's always talking about how the you don't necessarily need to go to college to we we've had this we've had this idea far too long that, that college is, is the way to go and only dumb people go into the trades. Right. And so, I, I think he's a hundred percent right that there that's that's been a narrative and I think you're right too that there has been a collusion between lenders and and schools at the very least and then their lobbies have managed to right. force the government doing and what it's to be, doing. Yeah, just to be clear, I'm glad I went to college and I I have a stay at home job and it's great and it worked out for me, but I still have the loans too, right? So I think it's more of a hey, let's slow down and make some goals and like maybe you don't have to do anything at eighteen. Maybe you get some shitty jobs and, and you try a couple different things and when you're twenty or twenty one and then you've got all the drinking out of your system, well maybe then we, we go, right? Like I don't, I don't know about this. What's an 18 year old kid know about anything, right? Like I still don't know what I want to do with when I grow up and I've been doing it for 20 years. So like, I I don't know, maybe it's, it's more of a, a a transparency, like, Hey, there's a lot of different options out there, you know? So, uh, I don't know. A hundred percent. And, and, and me personally, I'm a perfect, maybe not a perfect example of that, but I'm a great example of that in, in high school, I was the kid who did nothing and got straight A's, right? (laughs) Right. I think I got, I had one, one class in my, in my, my grade 12 year that I got a B in, you know, so, so that was me. And then I, I went to university immediately and I absolutely tanked because I just screwed around. I didn't right. blow any money drinking or anything like that, but I just didn't do my work. And so my GPA coming out of, of my first year of university was 1.9 something like it, okay. like it was below the level of you need you're going to get kicked out if you don't pick this up right and uh anyway so then then i went off for and served a two-year mission for my church and that's when i ended up living in in los angeles and then i came back home and then i worked in the oil field for a year and i did a whole bunch of craft work basically and and then i had this had this educational come to jesus moment you know i'd been awake for i'd been awake for 40 hours I was standing on top of a drilling rig installing some stuff. It was minus 40. It was two o'clock in the morning and there was like a 30 mile an hour wind blowing. And, and so this is like the worst case scenario. Right. And I had this moment of like, this sucks. I can go to school and, and I can have a job where I can choose where I am. And then I went back to university and I graduated with my first degree with like a 3.7 something, I think don't remember now and you know like 
it made it made a huge difference right yeah, and just having a little bit of that life experience of of doing something besides more school and having a little bit more life maturity may just makes a huge difference so i think that, yeah people who think you have to go to school right out of university i think a gap year of you know go do something fun or go do some crap jobs and experience some life outside of your parents house is a good idea right yeah i mean i i kind of so uh i was the first one in my immediate family to actually go to college right so my dad was a firefighter my mom worked in a nursing home so it was kind of like a they got sold the the dream of like yeah you can do anything you want right it's like yeah you can but like nobody ever talks about what what it takes to get there right um so i decided i wanted to be an airplane pilot <laughs> and uh we went down to embry riddle and daytona beach and um it's a great school but it's also like a rich kid school you know and uh, uh, uh we didn't come from a rich family but <laughs> hey sign here no problem and uh so i, I got a couple of pilots certificates um single and multi-engine land and, and a bunch of hours and stuff and one day i'm maybe it's not as bad as yours but we're at like ten thousand feet flight instructor i'm like nah i'm kind of bored of this and then my freaking 18 year old brain was like all right i'm just, I'm just gonna go do something else like after having spent forty thousand dollars on this right and then uh come back and i'm like well i started talking to pilots and they said like if if they had to do it over they'd get a degree in something else because it's like being a cop right you don't need a degree in criminal justice you just need a degree so when the industry goes down they could be out of work so they said we i'd go into like teaching or, or computers or something i was like okay i'm gonna do that so then i go to devry i'm not sure if you're familiar with with what that is yeah so like you know you're getting made fun of and stuff but then you get there and it's like no we want to get you in the work we're trying to cut the fat do like as little of the extra stuff as possible and um i go to a job fair i don't even know if they still have those anymore and i end up talking to my boss now and like interviewing him right and so then he calls me in and then gives me an offer letter for more money than i've ever seen and then uh, i was like well i guess i'm gonna do this now and then uh, i've been there for for going on 17 years now which is kind of unheard of in this industry but like maybe i should have waited and then just went to the right you know instead of spending 40 grand well yeah but this this is where like this is where for me i i feel like you you wouldn't have known that unless you had the experience right you know you uh there's a there's a story uh i heard recently and and it's a it's a religious there's a religious story in it and and the guy is walking down there down the path with his his son and they're lost and uh they get to this fork in the path and they, well, we don't know which way to go. So let's say a prayer and, and we'll go down and we'll go down the one that we feel like we should go down. Right. And so they say the prayer and they feel like they should go down the one on the left. And so they go down the one on the left and it goes around a corner and within 50 yards, it's a dead end. And so they turn around and they go back and they go back down the other path. And so as they're walking down the path, the son, he's, he's, well, why did God tell us to go down this path when it was clearly the wrong path? And the father said, well, maybe he wanted us to know that that was the wrong path. And we would have been always kind of second guessing right. all the way. And, and, and so now we know that this is the right path. And I think, you know, religion aside from that story, I think it's very, it's very applicable to situations like that, where, where, you know, as a, as a kid, you wanted to be a pilot and had you not gone down that pilot path and discovered that, yeah, you know what, never mind, I don't want to be a pilot. Maybe you would have been sitting in this job, this very job, this whole time being well, yeah, you know, true. like oh, I should have been a pilot. I wanted to be a pilot, and then you just be unsatisfied with where you're at, even though this is where you should be at. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, that, that's true. It's like the, the butterfly effect kind of, right? In the time yeah. machine. <laughs> so Yeah. So listen, yeah. I, I want to get like a private plane and go around and mess around. I just don't want to have to do that as a job, you know? And yeah, and that's, that's the reality. I would love to be able to fly and not have to pay anything. That'd be awesome. Right. I'm, I'm still working on the $4,000 El Camino, not the $150,000 Cessna, right? So let's get <laughs> yep. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we should probably wrap this up. You have to like go do work and stuff. Yeah, me too. I got to go, uh, got to go into town and get some, get some drinking water. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so thanks for coming on, Ed. I appreciate you, you uh, taking the time and, and, uh, yeah. Where can everybody find you on the social medias? Uh, probably most active on Instagram. It's at underscore Johns. Um, so I post a little bit of everything there. Um, I'm on Facebook. Actually, go watch my reels on Facebook because I'm monetized for ads right now. So just watch them a lot and tell all your friends. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I think I'm on threads. And You know, if you want, just DM me. I'll give you my phone number. We can text, you know. It's fine. Well, why don't you just put your phone number up on the internet and then... Uh, oh, if you want to, we can. Yeah. Put it out there for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> get a get a new Asian girlfriend, but robot, right? <laughs> exactly. So, anyway. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. And uh, for those of you who are interested, we're going to go into the after show. That's over available on Patreon. So you can head over there and subscribe to that. And, uh, you know, listen to more of the same conversation of two boring old white guys talking to each other about politics, art, and other podcasts. <laughs> yep.